Worried about your drinking? Reserve your place on today's free Quit Drinking webinar and get a copy of my best-selling book, Alcohol Lied to Me, as a gift just for turning up. www.stopdrinkingexpert.com Yo, yo, how are you doing? Uh, this is Craig Beck, a.k.a. the Stop Drinking Expert and the author of Alcohol Lied to Me, the book that has helped hundreds of thousands of people to find their own happy, sober life. Uh, if you're here because you're worried about your drinking, get to the website, stopdrinkingexpert.com. Just realized my mic's way over there. Uh, there's loads of free articles, free advice there, and, of course, the daily frequent drinking webinar. So today we're going to talk about cravings. Uh, because as the old Mark Twain saying goes, quitting drinking is easy. Why I've done it thousands of times. The big secret is, of course, staying sober. Anyone can quit drinking. Uh, not everyone can stay sober. So how do you do that and how do you deal with the cravings? And the reason we're going to talk about that today is because we've got an email here from uh, Pat. It says, hi, Craig. Hope all is well with you and the family. Uh, Craig, I've been good for 60 days now and feel amazing. Recently got back from our 30th anniversary trip to Italy. I was very nervous about it because of all the temptation there to drink, but happy to say I held strong and never once had cravings. Now that I'm back, the evil clown is showing his face. I have not given in and I listen to all the podcasts and hypnosis tracks and they help. Is there anything I can do to wipe him out once and for all? Um, and what can be causing this? Any advice would be great. <coughs> Excuse me. All right, good email. Um, where to start? Where to start? I really want to give you just 100% good news, Pat, but I can't because I wouldn't be being honest with you. Uh, no, there isn't really any any trick that will get rid of this forever. Um, because the way I describe it, Pat, is that you have a rogue lodger, you have a rogue tenant in you living in your head. And unfortunately, you invited him in. And he's not going anywhere. He's basically squatting in your head now. He's got squatter's rights and he's refusing to leave. Uh, and you've got, there's nothing you can really do about that because it's kind of your fault. You invited him in there. But what we can do is we can make him miserable. We can starve him of food and oxygen and attention until his living space gets so tight and so small and so miserable that he becomes weak and pathetic and he, can, he doesn't really bother you. That doesn't mean... He'll never bother you again. He will basically wait until he thinks he has enough energy or you are weak enough that he will try again. All right. So knowledge is power. And knowing what is coming and how this game is played is how you win the game. Because if you think, that's it, I've quit drinking, I'm cured, I'm sober forever, then you're going to get caught out at some point. Because that evil clown, he's going to sit there, weak and pathetic and miserable, and he's going to wait in something until he has the absolute, absolute most leverage on you. And I tell this story that, for me, the first time this really happened was like seven, eight years after I quit drinking. Seven or eight years. Imagine that. And a close family member died suddenly. And we were in that period between the death and the funeral where, you know, it's really, you know, you, you just want some closure and you feel pretty horrible and miserable. And the rest of the family were all elsewhere with friends and I was on my own and I was walking through a shopping mall in England 
And literally, this wave washed over me. And it said, Craig, you don't need to feel this bad. Look, there's a liquor store there. There's a supermarket there. Just go in, buy a bottle of whiskey. And all of this you're feeling now goes away. And I stopped dead in my tracks. People were bumping into me. They were furious with me. But I stopped in the middle of the mall and just kind of went into this hypnotic state because I thought, wow, you waited eight years. That's commitment. I mean, you know, a round of applause. Amazing. And I see what you did there. You waited till my lowest moment to attack. Amazing. Well done. And then I carried on walking. So, look, there is no way to never think about alcohol again. Um, but so that's the bad news out of the way. The good news is these cravings are, are like waves. And, and they, they last very short periods of time. You, you never go into a solid two-hour craving. You're never like, oh, I need to drink, I need to drink. It's always a sensation of, oh, I could do with a drink. And then it fades. And then it comes back and you go, oh, I could do with a drink. And it fades. And eventually the wave, like the storm loses its power and the waves get smaller and it fades away. So the most important thing that you should say to yourself in these moments, Pat, is this too shall pass. It will pass. But the more you acknowledge it, the more you consider it, the more you extend the storm. Because you, your attention gives power to the waves. So you have to almost see these craving incidents as though they're being performed on a stage. You have to disassociate yourself from them so that they're not happening to you. You're watching them happen. And what I want you to do is rather than feel bad, like, oh, why do I feel like I need to drink? Oh, am I a weak person? Am I going to cave? Instead of doing all that negative talk, I want you to see it as like a, a science experiment, a social science experiment. I want you to examine these cravings. So when you get a feeling, instead of doing what you used to do, and that is responding to the craving and drinking alcohol, instead of doing what you currently do, which is stressing and threatening and feeling anxious, like, oh, why am I feeling like this? What's wrong with me? Have I failed? I want you to stop and put the cravings under a microscope. I want you to say to yourself, how am I feeling right now? Where's that coming from? What situation is the evil clown using as leverage here? What is the exact tool that he's choosing to use to get me? How long do these cravings last? Let's, let's take a stopwatch. And normally they're like seven, eight seconds. Now, that's the first part. The second part is to do the four things. Now, Pat, I'm assuming you've done the course, all right? So if you've done the course, you should know what the four things are. If you don't, you need to go back and do the course again, all right? Because the four things uh, are a craving killer. If you do the four things, you will not drink alcohol. It's, so the choice here is not whether you drink alcohol, Pat, is whether you do the, you, you know, you use the tools that you've been given. Because in 14 years, nearly 14 years of doing this, nobody has ever come to me and said, Craig, I fell off the wagon, and yeah, I did the four things. It's never happened in 14 years. Normally what happens is someone emails me and says, Craig, 
I fell off the wagon and I drink last night. I reply to their email and I say, did you do the four things? And I never hear from them again. That's normally what happens. So that's the choice. Do the four things or drink alcohol. All right. Um, so let's just examine your email because I want to make sure I answer all of it. Um, I mean, you know, it kind of makes sense when you think about it, Pat. You know, you, you've had this 30th anniversary trip in your head for a long time. You've been planning it for a long time. You've been considering the implications of having a sober vacation. And you've been, you know, you've been firing yourself up for it. And it's like when you, you know, when you pass your driving test, it's, it's not normally in the first couple of weeks after passing your test that you have an accident. Because in those couple of weeks, you're still driving really actively. You're still really focusing on driving. You're concentrating on the road ahead. You're looking at your mirrors. You're looking at the people around you. You're carefully considering your actions. The point where you have the accident is when you relax a little bit and you kind of slump and you just, you've got one hand on the wheel and you're fiddling with the radio and you're chilled out. You feel confident driving. Uh, you're not stressed about it anymore. And suddenly you have a crash because you've switched into a more passive mode. And it sounds exactly like that with what you're describing here. You had that really active vacation and then you finished it successfully and you almost slumped back into, ah, and this is where the clown pounced on you. So I wouldn't worry about it too much. It sounds like perfect human psychology to me. It's to be expected. Do the four things. Uh, and predominantly understand that cravings to drink alcohol are temporary. Um, not just the actual craving itself, but the period of craving. And I'm not sure if you know this, but once a year, I get a very strong urge to drink. And it's, <laughs> it's normally in the winter. It must be something to do with the dark nights and how it affects your mood and things like that. But quite a few times, um, I've lay in bed with my wife and I've said to her, you know, I really wanted to, you know, go and buy a bottle of whiskey today and drink it. And she went, oh, is it, is it that time of year? Happens every year. Um, but I know it will pass. It gets really intense for a, maybe a week and then it fades away. And I just, I know it's coming. So you too will understand how this, this rhythm moves through your life. But just keep doing what you're doing, Pat. Don't listen to that voice, no matter how convincing it is. It will pass and it will get easier. All right. Thanks a lot. And uh, if you have a question, email me, craig at craigbeck.com. Worried about your drinking? Reserve your place on today's free quit drinking webinar and get a copy of my best-selling book, Alcohol Lied to Me, as a gift just for turning up. www.stopdrinkingexpert.com.